Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, November 10th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm Broadway AMA's Caitlin Milligan. All right, James, the summit of the Today on Broadway greatest minds happened last night. <laughs> we were I don't joined. know. Jan wasn't there. You know, and well, Peter I said, was there. <laughs> Today on Broadway, Dan. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. So, um, but your, your wife was there. My mother was there. We had dinner at Bond 45, which, as James figured out, is not on 45th Street because he went to 45th Street to the old Bond 45 location and realized that it wasn't there anymore. Yes, uh, there's nothing there. Yeah, we eventually did meet up, had a very nice dinner. Um, so now the year and a half and almost two year experiment that is today on Broadway has resulted in Matt and James actually meeting in person. Caitlin, though, still not met you. I have no. tried. We've tried multiple times uh, this week and schedules just keep conflicting. So hopefully <laughs> at some it's point. What, it's what happens when I only have a 30 minute lunch and you're seeing a thousand shows. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I think a thousand is a little bit of an exaggeration, but More like uh, I wouldn't seven. mind. <laughs> yeah. Shows in five days. Yeah, but exactly. So we did do that. Um, and James, something you told me at dinner last night is that you've got a pretty special guest for this week on Broadway. Uh, yeah, we were sitting at dinner last night and I got a con- confirmation that uh, Patrick Page is going to join us for this week on Broadway this Sunday. Patrick Page. I mean, just uh, literally music to the ears. Yes, the great voice. And he's um, currently up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada at the Citadel Theater doing the pre-Broadway production of Hades Town. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I'm I'm knocking on wood that that thing ends up uh, in New York sometime <laughs> in 2018 and maybe, you know, spring of 2019 if need be. Yeah, that's really uh, it's really exciting. Uh, I saw Kate Hades Town down at New York Theater Workshop. Uh, it's very good, and we've been trying to get Patrick on in many different ways for years now. So I'm glad this is all working out. Yes, but as uh, Caitlin mentioned to us off air after James our dinner last night, I went over across the street from Bond Forty Five and saw a little show called Hamilton, um, and. I don't know that y'all know this yet, unless you're looking at the script. But after the show is over, first off, the show is obviously phenomenal, in great shape. The cast is so good and so exciting, and there's so many cool things that you think you know the show really well because you've listened to the cast recording hundreds of times. And even though it is mostly sung through and almost everything's on there, there are so many little nuances that you don't hear because they're just physical or the way that that Andy Blankenbuehler's done the choreography or the facial expressions. But Daniel Breaker especially is fantastic as Aaron Burr. But after the curtain call last night, we all of a sudden saw somebody walking on stage from stage right, and it just happened to be Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, He came out and just thanked the audience for being there because their support allowed them to do the Eduham uh, performances. And they said those are the best audiences they have. And then the audiences perform for them. And it's such an incredible experience that has so many great lasting benefits. So he thanked the audience for, for being there and supporting the show so that they could do that. Now, I don't know if there was some sort of reason that he came out there. I don't know if there was, you know, specific donors to the uh, Eduham performance. Uh, that- I arranged that for you. Oh, thank you. I- <laughs> You and you and Shane Marshall Brown uh, arranged that for yeah. me to be there on that night. So thank you, Shane and James. I appreciate that. But that was pretty exciting. Um, and there were definitely multiple people in tears in the audience, including 
the woman who gave birth to me that was sitting next to me. So anyway, um, very exciting um, and uh, a really once-in-a-lifetime experience to be able to see Hamilton and then have Lynn come out and, and address the crowd was was really, really cool. That is excellent. I'm so glad you are having a bang-up uh, visit here in New York, even if it is a little bit chilly. Yeah, you know. All right, so first up in the news, the critics have their say on the band's visit. Yes, last night while I was at Hamilton, officially the uh, first official opening night performance of the band's visit happened. Uh, this is the musical that we've been talking about, uh, it seems like, for for now well over a year. James first off-Broadway and now on-Broadway. It is from Itamar Moses and David Yazbek, directed by David Cromer, and features... Uh, a great cast, and which we'll talk about here in a second. The story of the band's visit is that an Egyptian police orchestra band ends up in a the wrong city in Israel, and they can't get a bus to the right location. So they spend a very interesting night waiting uh, in this city in the middle of nowhere in Israel. And as we've talked about before, this is the front runner, if not the hands-down consensus pick for the 2018 Tony Award for Best Musical. And based on these reviews, I don't think that has changed one bit. According to Ben Brantley from the New York Times, he wrote, quote, breaking news for Broadway theatergoers, even or perhaps especially those who thought they were past the age of infatuation. It is time to fall in love again. One of the most ravishing musicals you will ever be seduced by opened on Thursday night at the Barrymore Theater. It is called The Band's Visit, and its undeniable allure is not of the hard-charging, brightly blaring sort common to box office extravaganzas. Joe Dominowitz of the Daily News uh, echoed that for the most part, and he said the band's visit takes place in the desert, and like a mirage, it shimmers, but better, because this hushed, heart-melting musical is real and truly magical. Sarah Holdren, writing for Vulture, said, quote, Director David Cromer, book writer Itamar Moses, and composer lyricist David Yazbek are clearly unified in their pursuit of the specific and the humane over the grandiose. Together, they've created a play of deep integrity, funny, generous, sweet without sentimentality, poignant without melodrama, melodrama and emotionally expansive, even, even as it insists upon its own smallness. Now, I saw the show on Wednesday, the final preview, uh, so I feel like the show was locked. I can comment on this. Um, and I agree with a lot of these things. The show was very sweet. It was very subtle. It was it was simple and straightforward. But to be honest, I also found it a little slight. Um, the cast is uniformly great, but with talents like Tony Shalhoub and John Cariani and Adam Cantor, you would hope that they'd be given a little more to do, and they just really aren't. And and it's very much a slice of life, but it is a very, very thin slice of life. Um, the one exception to that is Katrina Link, who is actual pure perfection. She is unbelievably incredible, and she is going to richly deserve that Tony Award when they hand it to her in June. Um, you know, I, I liked it. Um, the music in the show, for me, is wonderful and exciting, and David Cromer's staging is beautiful and 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 moving and exciting and, and interesting. Um, but I was just kind of hoping for a few more moments of depth from this incredible cast. The one thing I will note, though, is that, and for people who've seen it, I don't think I'm saying anything revelatory here, but uh, there's just this whole you know, kind of theme of waiting people waiting, not only for that bus, um, Adam Cantor's character waiting for a phone call, uh, people waiting for things to happen in their lives. So I think if you kind of look at the show from that frame, some of the depth and, and, and touching moments might be a little bit more poignant for you. 
has there have you seen any any allusions to Gatto? With I have I have not no, but that's um, I, I can see where why you would say that yeah. Huh, I wonder. So uh, Laura and I will be checking this out. I think this week coming up. Uh, as you know, last night Matt Laura knows the schedule. Yes. I don't. So I just I just look at the calendar and yes. show up where I'm supposed to go and <laughs> do that type of thing. And I'm sure that we'll talk about it on this week on Broadway. I saw Michael Portantier's review on Talking Broadway, and uh, and we'll chat about it this weekend. All right, what's up in the show and casting news? All right, well, yesterday producers announced that Jake Shears, the lead singer of the glam pop group Scissor Sisters, will make his Broadway debut as Charlie Price in the musical Kinky Boots, succeeding Stark Sands beginning on Monday, January 8th of 2018. He will be in the role for a limited run through April 1st. That same day, Jay Harrison Gee will return as Lola, who succeeds Billy Porter, who is currently starring opposite Stark. But wait. There's more from the Kinky Boots land. Producers also announced that Grammy Award winner Kristen Maldonado of the acapella group Pentatonix will make her Broadway debut as Lauren beginning on Friday, February 2nd for a limited run through Sunday, April 8th of 2018. She will succeed Delaney Westfall. Now, as many people who are listening to this might know, this is not Jake Shear's first experience with musical theater, along with his scissor sister, scissor sister, I don't know, scissor sister bandmate. I don't know if they're, I don't know how that works. Anyway, John Garden and Tony winner Jeff Whitty. Shears wrote the musical version of Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City that had a San Francisco run in 2011 and played a concert performance at the Music Box Theater on Broadway earlier this year with Betsy Wolf and, and, um, Oh, uh, Taylor, um, I can't think of who else was in it. Anyway, it's supposedly really great. Apparently never came to Broadway for some reason. But anyway, um, Caitlin, James and I are probably far too old to know anything about the Scissor Sisters. But (laughs) no offense, James. Um, But the show is clearly trying to recreate the box office success that it had. Wesley Taylor. That's who I meant. Wesley Taylor um, is trying to recreate the box office success that they had with Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco. Um, So, Caitlin, in your millennial expert (laughs) opinion, do you think that Shears will be able to get close to what Yuri did? I don't think Scissor Sisters and Panic at the Disco are on the same level, but could they get close? Well, since I don't know who the Scissor Sisters are, <laughs> I'm okay, going to so, have to no. say no. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Urie is kind of, not only is Panic at the Disco like a huge you know, band, but Brendan Urie is kind of his own like entity, which I think made a lot of people very excited, but... Um, I don't. I can't say I know too much about the Scissor Sisters. Okay, so that was a strike three there. One, two, and three all at the so same time. So Scissor Sisters uh, did a uh, cover of "Comfortably Numb." That was one of their big breakout hits, and that's how I because okay. I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Uh, but the the kids they love the Scissor Sisters. My my kids have have uh, are fans of them and played them uh, as well as Pentatonix. Oh my God, uh, Pentatonix is of rage yeah. with uh, yeah. Maybe I'm getting well. old. <laughs> I was gonna say, James's kids are like one of like 14. 14 and not. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're skewing very young with kinky boots. But I think you are right, James, that I think Pentatonix um, and, and Kristen uh, Maldonado might have even more of a draw for specifically theater people other than people who know Tales of the City, uh, because Pentatonix is, I think, I kind of associate 
acapella music as theater tangential because it is such a performance uh, type of thing. And they were in one of the uh, Pitch Perfect movies. Pitch Perfect, but, yeah. Yeah, so, all right, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, over Kinky Boots, they, they need to change what they do backstage now because you can't be running with scissors. Jesus Christ. It's been a long time since I did a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Clockwork Orange to close off Broadway. Yeah, this was disappointing news, James. And I think if you would have told us a few months ago that it would close this soon, I think you and I would both have been surprised. But yesterday, producers announced that the original off-Broadway production, the New York and U.S. premiere of A Clockwork Orange, will close over at New World Stages on December 2nd. The show stars John O. Davies, who originated uh, the role and starred over in London, and our friend Matt Doyle. Um, we both thought that this show would have make a huge dent in the off-Broadway community and thought it would run at New World Stages for a long time, but the reviews were savage uh, at at best and didn't do a whole lot of favors to the show. So disappointed to see that and, um, you know, interested to see if John O'Davies stays over here in the U.S. and does anything else. And, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing Matt Doyle back on the stage again. Uh, Daphne Rubin-Bagan is going to join the public theaters Miss You Like Hell. Yes, in more happy news, less less uh, depressing than A Clockwork Orange. Yesterday it was announced that the New York premiere of Miss You Like Hell has been added to the public's Aster anniversary season and that two-time Tony nominee Daphne Rubin-Vega will play Beatrix in the show. With book and lyrics by Kiara Alaguerra-Hudis and music and lyrics by Eric McEwen, the new musical is directed by public theater resident director and the founder of the public works, Lear de Bessonet, with choreography by Danny Mefford. Performances will begin on March 20th with a run through May 6th. And while I admit that I am not super familiar with uh, Aaron McEwen, after reading the plot description and knowing uh, Kiara Aligarhudi's work, especially from In the Heights, this show and this plot description seems like a perfect tonic for what we need, if what's going on in our country right now. In the show, uh, Ruben Vega plays a flawed mom to a 16-year-old named Olivia. She's an undocumented immigrant on the verge of deportation. After living estranged from each other for years, the mother and daughter embark on a road trip that crosses state lines. Together, they meet Americans of different backgrounds, shared dreams, and complicated truths in this powerful new show with vast heart and fierce humor. Um... I would watch anything that Hootie's writes. I would watch anything that Ruben Vega is in. Um, so I think that this has the potential to be really something special over the public next spring. Huh. Yeah, you know, I don't know anything about the show, but in the description, it just it sounds more like a film. It, yeah, it, it really does. But it's a it's a new musical and uh, should be really exciting. Excellent. Uh, Taylor Mac is going to bring her. Uh, Taylor Mac is going to bring a twenty four hour decade of. 24 hour, 24 decade history <laughs> holiday sauce. I'm going to yes. try that one more time, okay? Go for it. Taylor Mac to bring 24 decade history holiday sauce to town hall. Yes. Nailed uh, it. Yes, you nailed it on fifth time's the charm. Um, yesterday, we also learned that recent MacArthur Genius Grant recipient Taylor Mack will bring his latest show to Town Hall next month. Following up on his acclaimed A 24-Decade History of Popular Music, Mack will perform a 24-Decade History colon holiday sauce at the theater on December 12th. Like his popular music show, this new performance will feature holiday songs from 1776 
2016, uh, and this performance will not be 24 hours long like the popular music one was. Um, but man, I I wouldn't mind hearing what goofy, crazy Christmas songs he could get into a 24-hour show. Um, but maybe he'll do that at some point. Anyway, um, sticking in this category, racing through some other things. Um, yesterday, the Tony Awards Administration Committee released its latest rulings on award eligibility. And to be honest, they made a ruling that I don't think I've ever heard before when I've been working in the theater community. A statement that they released said, quote, 1984 has been deemed ineligible by the Tony Awards Administration Committee. The show did not fulfill all of the eligibility requirements as outlined by the Tony rules and regulations. Now, James, every year when I put together the Broadway World um, Spring Awards, I always go through all the uh, the rules and the regulations to make sure that I get everybody listed in there properly. So I know there's a ton of things that shows have to do to be considered for a Tony award, some of which are just clerical paperwork and notifications and stuff. But James, have, have you heard anything about what the issue could have been for 1984? I, I haven't seen anything or heard anything about what could have led to this decision from the administration committee. Oh, it was totally because they didn't use union rats. Oh, Lord. Well, I guess that could, that'll do it. You don't have... <laughs> I think that uh, the 1984 not being eligible for Tony Awards saves a lot of face on both sides. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. show is well. terrible. It's, yeah, I know. You didn't like it. It kind of falls under the uh, uh, Clockwork Orange thing where we expected a lot more out of it. And U.S. audiences and U.S. critics didn't seem to appreciate it as much as the London counterparts did. Uh, but before we get out of this section, one more thing that I don't necessarily feel like we need to discuss, but I wanted to mention because I skipped it yesterday on accident just because my email was so clogged from not working. Um, but uh, yesterday, or Wednesday, we learned that the Universal Theatrical Group has optioned the rights to the Bee Gees catalog to do a bio musical on the Brothers Gibb Um I think, James, I was a little bit more excited about this than you were because I'm interested to see how they incorporate some of the pre-disco Bee Gees music. Um, but this is probably a few years down the road, so we'll, I'm sure, talk about it uh, as something actually comes into fruition. I think that uh, Saturday Night Fever is more or less a Bee Gees musical, mm -hmm. not a bio-musical, but certainly a ton of their greatest hits uh, and wasn't well-received on Broadway uh, no. <laughs> and so I'm not sure that, you know, this is this is going to um, uh, be the next Jersey Boys. But we'll have to see. I'm certainly I guess we're going to hear about it for the next bunch of years. I mean, Universal's got enough money to keep it going. Despite <laughs> and it being tone off the dark, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, highlights from Goodspeed's Revisal of Rags. Yeah, just wanted to throw this out there as a recommendation here on Friday. The uh, recent revised production of Rags that is playing at the Goodspeed Opera House, James, that I know you guys have discussed you know, fairly in-depth on this week on Broadway, released some new highlights, and it's really, really cool. Samantha Macell, um stars in this show, and this is one that I think, as Peter suggested on this week on Broadway, could find life uh, in New York, perhaps if RTC decides to actually do a musical this season uh, before 
Kiss Me Kate comes uh, in like six years, uh, this would be a good one. It's got a, you know, obviously the original book by Joseph Stein and music by Charles Strauss and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. And as we talked about before, they've kind of gotten rid of half the songs from the show and replaced them with new ones. So if you want to check out some of these highlights, we will have the link in the show notes at broaderradio.com. But really excited to see what happens with this production moving forward. Uh, on another front, uh, Caitlin, Matt, do you know uh, which is the only metropolis in America without a major regional theater? Uh, I believe it's Caitlin's hometown. Caitlin, do you know? It's, I don't. Uh, Miami. Miami oh, is really? the only metropolis in America without a major regional theater. And uh, Moises Kaufman has partnered with uh, Michael Hausman of the the artistic director of the Miami New Drama to change that fact. Uh, Miami Drama, Ma- Miami New Drama is uh, currently got uh, one week left of a multilingual production of Our Town that's gotten great reviews from Christine Dolan at the Miami Herald. She's a great reviewer down there at the Miami Herald. Uh, so if you are in and around that, you know, the Miami area, or if you are visiting the Miami, kind of check out the Miami New Drama because uh, we might have a new destination to go check out some great theater when it's friggin' cold here in New York, like it is. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin, Caitlin's a recent transplant to the New York uh, City area from South Florida. So, Caitlin, how are you dealing with this weather? Well, see, I like cold weather, especially around the holidays. I'll probably get sick of it really fast, but as of right now, I'm enjoying it because it's not 80 degrees and humid like it was year-round in Fort Lauderdale or Gainesville, but... We'll see how long it lasts. Have you have you ever seen snow before? Actually, once, and it was in <laughs> New York about six months ago in that weird snowstorm that happened in March. Um, but it was only for like two hours, so I'm I'm not no- sure I'm ready for like real snow for <laughs> weeks at a time or whatever happens. I honestly don't even know. Okay, I reached my breaking point like in February when it's when the snow is just ugly and brown and it's icy and windy and dry and i'm just like okay i I need to get out of new york for just a respite just to warm up a little bit (laughs) so that we take uh take broadway radio on the road to um let's uh go to hawaii so we'll sounds like a plan okay yeah hey caitlin uh what is happening off the stage yeah, so actually, there's a lot going on this weekend. It's probably because they know it's my birthday weekend. But um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first up, the much anticipated movie musical "Hello Again" is in theaters this weekend, which is based off the Broadway musical of the same name. It's about ten lost souls across ten periods in New York history, and it features many stars like Audra McDonald and Cheyenne Jackson. So definitely something worth going to the theater to see this weekend. Um, Over in Texas, Jeremy Jordan and Betsy Wolf will actually be performing a salute to Broadway concert with the Houston Symphony this weekend. They're doing shows uh, tonight through Sunday, and it's called Broadway Today, From Les Mis to the Book of Mormon. And it will have songs from those shows, (laughs) Once, Chicago, and more. So it sounds like a fun show. If I were in Texas, I would definitely go see it. Broadway Um, Today is dangerously close to something else. (laughs) (laughs) Rearrange the words. Yeah, that's some copyright infringement, James. You better get on that. I don't know. We can just claim it for ours. I think I so that we're doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> keep going. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> so uh, on Saturday, which is Veterans Day, this is the Army, the World War II Irving Berlin musical. We'll have a rare special performance at 54 Below at 9.30 p.m. Uh, the show marks the 75th anniversary of the original Broadway production, which was performed entirely by members of the U.S. Armed Forces, which really? is a yeah, which is a pretty cool thing. So that's exciting that they're going to do that for Veterans Day, which is my birthday. Um, I'm just going to keep plugging that because <laughs> I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> and then on Sunday, November 12th, playwright Adam Rapp and composer Jason Robert Brown will be presenters and performers at the New York Music Festival Gala that will honor Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Marsha Norman. The event will take place at the Edison and will be co-hosted by actors Grace McLean and Jason Williams, and Judy Gold will serve as auctioneer. And then on Monday, November 13th, is the Nova Ball XX17, where more than 50 playwrights will gather to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Off-Broadway Playgroup, the Emerging Playwrights Collective of the Adventurous Ars Nova Troupe. The gala, which takes place at 6.30 at Capital, will feature playwrights Playwrights like Lin-Manuel Miranda, Stephen Levinson, and more. And proceeds for the evening, which will also include a live auction, supports Ars Nova's artistic development initiatives and world premiere programming. And then also on Monday is the Parody Plays Festival Reading Series, which celebrates the work of female and trans playwrights and directors. And the festival, which is at the WP Theater, features performers such as Amanda Seyfried and Jennifer Carpenter. And the festival tickets are free, and the festival runs through November 20th, so if anyone's in New York, they should definitely check it out. Hmm. And then something I wish I could go to, but I can't truly afford, is <laughs> on Monday. It's the one-night-only performance of the children's monologues at Carnegie Hall. Oh, Lord, that cast is insane. I, like... I put in here about how they just added, you know, Anne Hathaway and Sebastian Stan, but I was looking at the thing to see who I should mention. I was like, I can't name every name, <laughs> but I it's, should. It's basically think of somebody famous. They're doing it. It's like everyone. I mean, obviously not, but there, it, there's not one not notable person on that list. I mean, you got Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield and David Diggs and Javier Munoz and Audra McDonald. And that's just like some of them. <laughs> yeah. And those are the less famous people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true, which is crazy. But it's um, dramatic need in collaboration with Carnegie Hall. They're doing a um, unparalleled cast of, uh, you know, Oscar, Tony, Emmy, Grammy, EGOT winners. Um <laughs> For a performance of stories of bravery, resilience, and triumph by South African children adapted by the world's finest playwrights, and it's directed by Academy Award winner Danny Boyle. So I think it's definitely going to be a good show if you can get tickets and um, go see it, which I wish I could. Good luck but with that. It's just not in my, you know, uh, first year <laughs> out of college uh, salary budget, That's all right. uh, unfortunately. I'll next just, year. Next year, maybe. Yeah. And then finally... Uh, the Broadway Green Alliance just wanted to plug this. They're hosting a textile drive on November 15th in Duffy Square from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the drive will accept clean and dry clothing, paired shoes, linens, handbags, and other reusable textiles. Definitely something to go um, drop things off at. The Broadway Green Alliance does a lot of great things for the Broadway community. And this textile drive is just one of many. So definitely go head over there if you have things that you um, want to donate. 
And that's all for me this week. Uh, check back next Friday as we talk about what else is going on off the stage. Yeah, and Caitlin, it is your birthday this week, and so happy birthday. But what Thank people you. don't know is is that your sister lives in Washington, D.C., and for your birthday, she got you a couple tickets to see Mean Girls down at the National Theater. So we will expect a report back next week on how you liked the show. Yes, definitely. I'm very excited to see it, and I'm hoping for good things, and uh, we'll definitely let you guys know how I feel about it. Excellent. Great. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt, and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Caitlin, where can people find you? They can find me at Broadway AMA, and also at, at Kate Milligan. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayVideo.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up your week with us. Uh, tomorrow on the feed, uh, we're going to have uh, Jenna Tessa Fox's interview with Michael John LaCusa. Um, wow. And on Sunday, uh, this week on Broadway, we'll be talking to Patrick Page uh, from Hades Town and all sorts of other wonderful stuff. And Monday, Matt and I will be back in your ears. We'll see you then. Thank you.